0: Hello. <laughs> okay. I know the title of today's show has to have you thinking, what did she just type in? What, what, what has she got going on there? Um, well, I'll tell you. There's a lot that we know, obviously, for those of us who, uh, we took science as a class in high school and we learned about, you know, the differences between girls and boys. Um, you know, remember when there was that movie, uh, Kindergarten Cop? Arnold Schwarzenegger was the star of that movie and in the movie he's filling so he basically he plays a substitute teacher and he's in the classroom with these kindergartners and he's shocked by their candor right he keeps saying um uh you know what what do we know about kids what do, in fact I I probably should have pulled that as a piece of audio for today because it's such a cute little piece of audio cuz the the kid this little boy, he's kind of nerdy looking. He's adorable. He stands up and he says, he says, What well, how are boys different from girls? And the little boy stands up and says, well, boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. <laughs> he just says it right out right. And it's so true. What he said was exactly the way that we know and understand the differences between men and women on the most basic level, right? So we don't deny that there are people who are born, you know, gender amorphous or things like that, uh, or that there can, can, things can go wrong. We don't, we don't, we don't deny that. We also don't deny that there can be a true issue with a person who really believes that they're in the wrong body and that what we see that as for us people who, you know, we're I guess we're just old fogies now, um, we know that that is a mental illness that should be treated and can be cured. And it can, and through treatment, a person can receive not just freedom, but deliverance from, it's like being trapped in the wrong body, the feeling that you're trapped in the wrong body. we know this because we've seen so many people go through the counseling process and through, especially small children who are in the very beginning throes of this, when it's caught properly and the parents are, you know, under good guidance from a pediatrician, and they're referred to a good therapist, and that therapist then works with the child to figure out when the dysmorphia first entered their mind, and what it was the reaction to, and then they correct the thought process that goes along with that. I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that for kids, because they're then free to live in their body knowing it's the correct body that they were created with a purpose and that they have a defined and unique self that that you know that no 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 amount of physical adjustments or surgeries can change that person because the person is more than just the body that you're in uh, we are eternal beings we will spend eternity in the presence of God or eternally separated from him but it's going to be eternal there's there's no stopping that So when we talk about this issue, obviously there are a lot of places where we can laugh and we can joke around about it, but it's a very serious thing for people who are suffering from it. And the reason that this story is coming to the fore is because there's yet another case of biological women being pushed out of a sport that they've competed in and worked hard in and and really sacrificed to win in by a biological male. So the story is this transgender weightlifters gold medal sparks a new debate, and this is connected to the Olympics. So we're going to dive into that today. And then we have some stories, um, from yesterday that we didn't actually get to that we're going to talk about the 90% of Americans who are covered by healthcare in this country, um, and some other things. So I'm just, I want to just have the caveat before we even get started. You know, Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right, Righteously American, so totally glad to be here with you today. Not a person who hates anyone. So there can never be uh, an honest debate about this if you come from a place where you hear me talking about this subject and you think I hate someone. I don't. Or if you think I want to punish people or it's not that at all. And when I spoke of the mockery, I'm talking about the memes and things online that you can find where you're you're looking at them and you have to admit they're funny because they're pointing out the sheer lunacy of the position that's being held, especially on the left where people are saying things like, look, I'm a feminist and I believe in women's rights, but I also believe in transgender rights. and I believe a man can get pregnant, a man can have an abortion and a man, uh, you know, is basically the same thing as a woman. And how dare you say they're not? Well, there have to be some differences between men and women in order for there to be a desire for men and women to have, quote unquote, equality. If they're not different, then how could there be no equality? How could how could there be inequality in the treatment of two different groups if the two different groups are actually the same? Now, this is something that people on the right have been really, I don't know if we've been yelling about it, but we've been sounding the alarm, ringing the bell, canary in the coal mine. You know, we've been calling it out and saying women are not just differently abled men. Men and women are not interchangeable. What we've been saying is that women are complementary. Men have, obviously there's, there's so much value in having men around, but there's so much value in having women around. And we have different roles. So this brings me back and I want you to know what my source material is. Uh, source material for some of what we're going to be discussing today, specifically any scripture references. Obviously, the scriptures come from the Bible, but they're compiled in this Bible study, The Cry of the Hidden Heart, Finding Fulfillment in Marriage, written by Karen R. Bacon with the Sarah's Daughters. Um, And I know Karen Bacon. I've taken this Bible study a couple of times. And I just want you to know where I'm getting some of what I'm sharing with you, because I I believe credit belongs to credit where where credit is due. And there is an an amazing... Mm. Thing that you can go through as a woman when you understand how God created us, what He created us for, and how when we walk in that, there's the ultimate in fulfillment. So let's 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 first talk about the story. You have this woman, or you have a couple of women, and they're competing um, for a spot in the Olympics next year in women's powerlifting. So there's a women's group who is actually reacting to the news that a transgender weightlifter dominated a recent tournament tournament and is free to compete at next year's Tokyo Olympics. Now the controversy stems from Laurel Hubbard's performance at the games in Samoa earlier this month where this person won two golds and a silver in three of the women's heavyweight categories. And the image on the story at Fox News, you have this clearly like this woman and and I'm speaking about the looks of this person as someone who when I wore my hair super short actually it's like a hair saga. It should be its own video. I should do it my own like YouTube video about what happened then and how I oh I overcame and grew my hair back. But anyway, and my hair is super short and I'm six feet two inches tall. And at the time I was pretty thin, but with short, short hair and no makeup on, I mean, you know, small kids would sometimes be wondering oh my gosh is you know they they weren't sure <laughs> okay um and that and that propelled me it spurred me on to grow my hair back because while i'd had this horrible it, it was like a relaxer gone bad a hair color gone bad hair falling out everywhere and then i decided just cut it short but it was a motivator for me to take care of my hair to get it grown back in because it was really difficult for me having people you know not sure if it, i had to always have on makeup because i'm thinking you know I don't like being mistaken for a guy. I'm tall, but I'm not a man. So that being said, because I understand, I understand how that feels. Okay. So this, this person is clearly not a woman. The, and this is what happens when someone goes all the way through puberty and the onslaught of testosterone occurs and the jaw grows in larger, the chin, the forehead becomes more pronounced. Um, the neck thickens, the shoulders broaden and expand. Um, there's no amount of gender reassignment surgery that can undo those particular changes because they're in the bone. They're in the structure of the person. Um, so this person has already been through puberty and is now living as a woman with long hair and what look like the beginnings of, of, you know, a chest. But it doesn't change the fact that after the testosterone has done its work, This person has far more muscle mass and far more strength and capability than any woman can have because the testosterone changes the tissues and the structures within the body. So women's rights groups are sounding the alarm because Hubbard, who competed in New Zealand's men's weightlifting before transitioning in, the, so this person went into their 30s. In the 20s, this person competed with the men. But now that he's transitioned as a woman, he's saying, you know, he's competing with the women. He d- declared himself a woman. He identifies as a woman. So these women's groups are saying that this guy has an unfair advantage against women and shouldn't be allowed to compete in the Olymp- Olympics in the women's category. Now, remember, there was the Powerlifting of America group that said they they would not pay attention to what people declared themselves to be. They would look at their biological makeup when determining what categories they would compete in. And they had a lot of flack, you know, delivered to them on social media, but they stuck with their guns. They stuck to their guns and and it was the right thing to do. So this group is a New Zealand based lobbying organization and they're calling on the country's Olympic Committee and sports minister to defend women's sport. Kiwis, which is what New Zealanders call themselves, know that males competing in women's sport is blatantly unfair. This is Annie O'Brien, who is the group's spokesperson. British group Fair Play for Women also recently urged the sport authorities to wake up after Hubbard Hubbard won the titles and argued that sports must be separated by sex rather than gender identity. The International Olympic Committee, IOC for short, has actually issued guidelines dating back to 2015 stating that transgender athletes can indeed compete in women's categories as long as their testosterone levels are below 10 nanomoles per liter for at least 12 months prior to their first competition. Now I see what they're trying to do there. They're saying if you've transitioned to a woman and you want to compete, you can as long as your testosterone levels have normalized to the same level as women's testosterone levels. Here's the problem with that. At the very opening, I explained that once you're in puberty as a young boy, your testosterone levels surge, and that surge creates changes in you that are very, these these are changes that go down to the molecular level, but specifically they pertain to bone structure and muscle mass. And so once those changes have occurred, you can't then say, well, now my testosterone levels have, you know, they're much lower. I'm taking a suppressant and I'm adding in estrogen uh, or progesterone or whatever. And so, you know, don't worry about me. I'm a woman now. You still have that unfair advantage of having had how many ever years you were in puberty, that rush of testosterone, which gives you absolute innate advantages. Now, this is, again, people don't like this conversation because for people who claim that they love the science and that Christians are just obsessed with the Bible and we don't care anything about science. There is definitely an unscientific bent to the arguments that support transgendered people competing against biological females. They're, they ignore the science. They don't care anything about it because it doesn't support their cause. Again, no hatred, just stating facts here. So, um, um, Some top officials have weighed in on the issue with Samoan prime minister. Can't pronounce that name. Telling the outlet that Hubbard shouldn't participate in an in another category. The quote from him is, I don't think he she should ever participate in this. But I realize we have to be inclusive and cannot exclude these people. Oh, it's a she she told people they ought to participate in these games in their own category. Now, we all know what happens when you suggest that people say, oh, that's not really, you know, You can't do that. You can't make them compete in their own category. Um, I think that's ridiculous. So what does God's word say about this? Well, obviously God created Adam and then he saw that Adam was the only one of his creation who did not have a spouse or a, you know, so and, and basically a helper or a companion. And so he put Adam to sleep, took a rib from him informed Eve to be his helpmate so he didn't give Adam another man he didn't say I'm going to give you a, a you know a, a bro that you can hang out with and you know you guys can you know enjoy hanging out and doing man stuff after you're done tending the garden every day he gave him a woman and the woman is to compliment him to provide things in the garden and in their relationship that are, complementary to what he provides not the same not opposite but complementary and that this relationship would benefit the man and produce children hmm we'll be back with more after this okay man Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. filling in for Smokey, cause after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. Dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmeen, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone who... Had to be independent and take initiative. And that's how I handle every project I get. Discover new ways to develop great talent at gradsoflife.org. Brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. (laughs) When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Spacey on the Right. Welcome back to the program. I'm Stacy Washington. You can find out more about me at stacyontheright.com. Same thing on Twitter and Instagram. I'd love to have you follow me on those. So back, uh, we were having a discussion before the break there about this transgender athlete. And now I want to go into what should be the foundation, the place where we're supposed to look and get our information whenever these types of things crop up what we do is we run to every other source and there are amazing authors out there you guys know how much i love to interview authors about their work to uh, to read to be knowledgeable to, reading obviously for sometimes for entertainment other times for really trying to find out more trying to learn so this isn't against that but the source document for christians is the bible and if we start prioritizing other works over god's word it, Basically, we lose our ability to discern. Discernment comes from reading God's word, studying it, and applying it every day in our lives. Wisdom comes for asking God for wisdom after we search the scriptures and we know what his word says. And he says he gives wisdom to any person who asks so that no one can be a fool. You, you honestly, you have no excuse for it. So on this area, I, it, it disturbs me greatly to see Christians arguing in favor of Giving so called rights or special privileges to people who are suffering from gender dysmorphia because, not because I hate them, but because they are basically saying, You're ill, let us help you to remain ill, and let us use uh, our limited scriptural knowledge or let us twist the scriptures to uh, enable you to do that. And we just, as Christians, the loving thing to do to someone who is suffering from an illness is not to say your illness is amazing and I wish I had it too, or let's help children to have the same illness you have. No, the, the way to help them is to say what treatments would best help you to overcome this illness and then to work on that. And if the person resists, as is the case with mental illness, then the answer is not to say, oh, well let's just give you, you know, forty or $50,000 so you can have gender reassignment sur- surgery. It's to continue to apply the proper pressure, um, you know, lovingly helping that person to get them to where they can actually receive assistance and, and be, if not cured, treated. So what does God's word say? Well, first of all, God has a plan for men and for women and I'm not saying that there are people out there like that hundred percent of people are going to eventually become married. I understand that there are those who are not going to marry and God's plan for their life does not include a marriage. But for the majority of people, marriage is on the horizon. And so in order to prepare for marriage, you have to know exactly what God's plan for it is. So God made us in his image, in his likeness. And our perspective for our lives and marriages has to begin in a place where we understand how we fit into the creator's master plan for us. So we have two options. We can build ourselves around me, mine, my likes, my desires, what I like, what I love, what I want, what I want to see, my desires. And then my future husband can build it on his, on the same. Or We can build our lives around the creator and the kingdom that he has created for us. So he is our owner slash creator. When we acknowledge that and choose to fall in line and be discipled by Jesus Christ, we place ourselves in his care and we start to operate within his plan. Well, that's supposed to be the choice that we're making. So we were created to be image bearers. God actually placed authority in man to rule the earth, and God has called and equipped men and women for productivity. We reflect the original, which is God. So that means he is creative, he is a creative being, and he works every day, and it is the same thing for us. We are truly um, distinct from the other creations of God. In that we have a soul, we have a spirit, and we have an eternal life. Our lives are eternal, and we we have to make a decision about where we want to spend those eternal time frames, whether it's with God or without Him. So, if you come from that perspective, then you know you cannot uh, you you cannot condone the transgender delusion that America is currently falling under. So I just want to give you a couple of scripture verses here. God designed us, not like the animals, but with an erect posture, with an upward countenance, capable of facial expressions, corresponding to emotional feelings. We have brain and tongue, brains and tongues capable of articulating and sim- symbolic speech. Male and female, he created them. That's Genesis one twenty seven. Now, I know some people will say, well, you know, the, the Bible is old and antiquated, I don't have time for you today. I, I and really I, I won't tomorrow. I just won't have time for that because either you're in you're in the way, and the way meaning the way everlasting, you understand that God's word is eternal and that it is still appropriate for today, or you're not. And if you're not, you're a part of that delusion and you're not able to understand the discussion here, or you're refusing to understand it, because it doesn't come from a place of hatred. It comes from a place of wanting people to understand who they are in Christ and their positioning so that they can walk in healing, deliverance, um, you know, working out their salvation. It's, it's either one or the other. So I want to point out, um, this, this last scripture, Psalm eight, three through six, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. So to close this out, God designated men and women as co-rulers of this earthly domain for the welfare and management of his creation and and nowhere in the scripture does it say that he created two men to do it or two women to do it or groups of people or polyamorous situations. It is ma- one man, one woman, and God in the, the triune bond that replicates the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And any condoning, any um any anything that you're doing or believing or sharing or supporting that goes against that biblical formation is detrimental to those around you who are hearing and possibly believing that this is a, an appropriate Christian position to take. And it is also a sin. So we, d- we don't want to be there. We don't, we don't want that to be the reality that we're walking in, that we're enabling others to sin or encouraging them to sin by our own actions. We want to believe the truth. And I keep saying... Over and over again, that this doesn't come from a place of hate, that it's not, I'm not upset, I don't want to hurt anybody. The reason I have to say that is because the generally accepted mode of arguing about transgenderism as an issue is to paint the person who doesn't support it as bigoted, hateful, or someone who just seeks to hurt other people. And that, that could, could not be farther from the truth. There's a lot of pain and suffering that goes on. And if you read some of the articles uh, written in major news publications by people who used to be transgender, and some of them even had the gender reassignment surgery and lived for years as the the opposite gender, and then, you know from whatever, they were delivered from it. Some of some of them just got exhausted by the ruse. Some of them actually encountered a Christian who lovingly led them to Christ and then their eyes were open and they're like, wow, I'm living this way. Um, but whatever the, the mechanism for their deliverance, they were delivered and then they come out of it and they write these articles about how miserable they were and how often they were so close to suicide and how much of a torture it was because They expected to wake up from the gender reassignment surgery feeling, um, I want to quote them directly, feeling as if they'd finally fixed everything. But instead of feeling as if everything had been repaired and fixed and they were finally in the right body, they wake up in a sense of terror because they are still, they still feel exactly as they did before they had the surgery. The surgery not only doesn't solve anything, but now they look down and their body is mutilated. It is foreign to them truly, and they realize for the first time that it's a mental problem and it can't be fixed physically. So um Somebody get the door, please. Um I'm I'm wanting to make sure that as few people experience that as possible, that as many people as possible would have the opportunity to be healed from this, um, and go on to live productive lives without having made the decision to, uh, change their body. So anyway, I want to say hello to the people that that's, that's, that's it for today. I'm, I have the link in the, the, to the story it's inside of the show notes on the thing. And I'll, 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 I'll post it on Facebook as well, just in case people aren't making it over to fireside, but that's the home of all the good stuff. Um, So let me first off point out, um, while we're, we're, while we're here on the subject, um, I am going to be doing the, um, the, so I'm going to be the keynote speaker at the pastor's breakfast for bot radio here in St. Louis in October. So I want to give you a preview for that just to let you know, I'm going to be the keynote. Um, and also to give a shout out to bot because they've been doing some really cool stuff um with with me here locally allowed me to fill in a couple of times on one of their programs and uh, I spoke at the CBL which I th- believe that was last week it might have been the week before and it I it's just been great um it's been really nice to have you know just just you know having friends is great isn't it um and then also I'm doing uh m- more frequent radio hits on my old station FM News Talk 971 and it looks like they're going to have me on every Wednesday in the morning to do a quick uh, commentary hit on news of the day, which I used to do. That's how I got my start. You guys, I started off doing a, a radio hit on there. So it'd be great to speak to that audience again. I just wanted to give a shout out also because I know many of the people who are in the listening audience here on the podcast have been with me since I was a weekly regular on Almond in the Morning on FM News Talk 97. One. Now it's going to be the Mark Cox show. Um, he's the morning show host now. And so I'll be a regular with him. So that'll be something fun that you can catch and tune into if you're here locally and you're in your car commuting to work, you'll be, you know, every Wednesday you'll hear me on there. (laughs) So, um, so yeah. So I, I, I thought this story, again, it's a sad story because the other thing that we don't have going on is no one seems to have any sympathy for the women who spent You know, most of their adult lives lifting and preparing to win or to compete in the Olympics. And now they're being beaten out by a man. And that is an unfair situation if you think about it. If you think about how hard it is to be one of the strongest women in the world, and maybe you're in the top, what, five? Top five strongest women in the world for weightlifting. You show up at the competition and there's a guy who's six, four, you know, clearly a man with long hair and lipstick competing against you and that person easily beats you right that person easily beats you then then what so what is your recourse at that point you're standing there you're you're one of the strongest women in your sport and a man just easily vanquished you and set world records and you and the other women are still neck and neck in your performance and he's far and away above you and that is where women are finding themselves and the whole idea about feminism was supposed to be that something like that couldn't happen because women were afforded a space and the kind of funding that was needed so that they could have their own sports. And y'all know I'm not a feminist, but I definitely think feminism in the beginning, where it was an equalizing influence, meaning you know you just you couldn't be sexually harassed at work, you know you you would be paid similarly for based on your education and experience that those kinds of things. Those were great strides that were made. But so this is what happens when women buy into the idea that we are just interchangeable with men. And, and I know people are going to get mad, but you, you have every right to be angry. I have every right to say what I'm about to say. Remember when I was screaming and hollering about the idea that women could be combat? you know, women in combat, all that stuff. And they were saying, you know, we're going to actually open the draft up and we're going to have women in the draft. And I was like, no, that is not the, the, this is not the way it was meant to be. And everyone was like, like, you're just, you know, how can you even talk? I'm like, look, fourth generation military veteran here. And when my father finally, you know, he, he would share a little bit about what the Vietnam War was like. I remember him telling us about this. I've I've talked about this on the air. If you've listened for any amount of time, I've mentioned it briefly. He was telling me and my sister about war and what it really was because we were like, dad, girls can do the same things that guys can do. And he was like, in some cases, yes. I said, well, women can go to war. And my dad was like, "Uh, I don't know. And I was like, well, dad, why would you say that? You've always told us to work hard, do our best, do whatever we can do, and that we're just as smart as any guy. And my dad was like, "Yeah, you can be just as intelligent, or even more intelligent than any man. But when you're talking about physical strength, there are things that you have to do in a war that women are not equipped to do physically." And I was like, "Ah, uh, you know, this is, it sounds like you're changing your mind." And he said, "No, and let me tell you what I mean." And he explained. He didn't go into everything. And and now as a grown woman, and now that I really know what war is. I know he didn't go into everything, but he certainly told us enough to curl our eyelashes up real hard. And, and we were just sitting there with our mouths hanging open. And he said, and I'm not telling you everything. I'm just telling you what I feel like you're ready to handle as teenagers. And I remember that night talking to my sister and saying, you know, huh, you could, can you believe the stuff that dad was telling us today? And she was like, yeah, he's never told us that kind of stuff before. And I was like, yeah, he has never told us that. And also, did you see his face? This is the, the stuff he went through over there changed him. I wonder what he was like before he went. That's what we were talking about. War is the ultimate in, you know, the the combat that goes on in men and women. They view war differently. We think about solutions differently. And it is just, it's a man's purview and it should remain as such. But as we allow these people who don't understand what I just explained to you about the complementary nature of men and women and how God has a plan for women and God has a plan for men. And he, and when we operate within that, we flourish. When people go against that and turn their nose up at God and say, you know what? I know a better way. Men and women are interchangeable and they're equal. Well, now that we're walking that thing out, how does it look? How does it feel? And how much of this ridiculousness with the transgenders is actually partially mostly the fault of us women for forgetting our our actual natural god-given place and role and abdicating that and throwing it away seeking to be men all right we'll be back right after this stay there Saved by the scan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. First, I hold my hands out like they're on a steering wheel. Then I look over my shoulder. One. Okay, cool guy. Two. Three times. Next. Oh, I put it in reverse. Meep, meep, meep. Then I take it up and down. Up, up, and down. And that, kiddos, is called the forklift. Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now that's Dancing. Sure beats flossing. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that after 75 years, Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when it's dry or windy. Be careful burning yard waste, because wildfires can even start in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody. Rachel Ray here. Nothing brings a bigger smile to my face than cooking up a big meal for the whole family and lots of friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in our country who struggle with hunger. That's why the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks collect surplus food to give hope to hungry kids. But they can't do it without your help. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacey on the Right. Hey everybody. Um, You might have noticed that we have an AARP PSA and that is one of a bevy of PSAs that are playing on the program until we get sponsors. And so if you want to see that AARP PSA go away, it's a public service announcement, so not not actually an endorsement of AARP by me. But if you want to see that go away, hey, tell somebody you love this show and you want to see them sponsor it. <laughs> We're looking for a paid sponsorship for the show from businesses and organizations that want their products to appear on a hotly... Uh, anticipated podcast and our numbers are good. So we have uh, we've surpassed advertising threshold or, you know, minimums that need to be met um, for downloads. And so we're we're here and we're ready to do it. And I hope that anybody who has a business who's interested would just reach out to us at info at stacy on the dot com info at stacy on the dot com. We'd love to um, we'd love to give you a primo rate. So it, we're not we're not up in the echelons of, uh, you know, we're not expensive. Let's put it simply. We're not expensive. We and not to say that it's not a great podcast to advertise on, but we're not expensive because we just got started, right? We're just we're just new to this thing. Um new to this thing in the sense that we are doing a podcast quote unquote, but not new to this thing because this program has been going on since October of 2013. And I want to make that clear. I actually adjusted um my LinkedIn and my other things because I felt like with the way that things happened with AFR that, you know, it might be it, it might be a, it might suggest to people that perhaps the program was ended because of, you know, the, the breaking of the relationship there for the contract. Well, how can something end that the, so the program is uh, it wasn't created by AFR? They don't own the copyright or the, the intellectual property associated with it. The, my, my name, my likeness, my image, the content itself. Um, when the show was produced there, they had a license to continue to share the content. They still do. Um, but so do I. And so the show itself, it exists. It goes on. So regardless of who's carrying it, the show exists as long as I'm putting a program out on a daily basis. And so I that is a distinction that I kind of was talking about, oh, you know, well, I'm not out of work cuz that that's not an accurate representation of someone who's an independent contractor. Um the the joy of the independent contractor arrangement is is it's at will and anyone can say okay, I'm done here and there's nothing there's no recourse. You agreed to that. That's what I agreed to. But and so that that's kind of the a double-edged sword. It's a good thing if you want to leave, it's not a good thing if they want to leave and you were pretty happy where you were but the other thing that is great about it is if i'd been an employee and they own the content and the likeness and the label and everything then that would mean if they let me go i walk away with nothing and clearly i'm not walking away with nothing because i still have as you, if you watch the live stream you see the little logo if you're a podcast listener god bless you i just think you're awesome you rock you're awesome you're amazing um, and you're beautiful. I believe my listeners are good looking people as well. When when I look at your little avies on all those social media live streams, I'm like, look at these people. They're good looking. They're cute. And they're married to cute people. And then a lot of y'all have adorable kids, cute dogs, and some of y'all have some amazing looking grandkids. Like I've seen all y'all's pictures. So yeah, the cuteness remains in the audience. And I still got the logo going. It's it's over at the podcast site. We we are still here. So, um, that's the blessing of, of that arrangement. So it's a double-edged sword and I, I, I'll have it sliced this way. Um, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like it's not what I had envisioned, but I'm okay with it. And God is in control. And I believe he's going to bring better things out of this. That's, that's, that's the only default position I can have. And the reason is because I read my Bible and I believe that it's true, um, that God prepares the way for us. I, I, I know we just went over, well, it was kind of like an encouragement segment included in what I just went over. But I have to say, Psalm 23 talks about the the Lord going and preparing a, a table in the presence of our enemies. He goes before us to prepare the way so that when we see something happening, we're like, Oh, you know, I'm scared. This new situation, God has already prepared the way for us to go on to bigger and better things, higher table lands, higher heights with him, you know, seated in heavenly realms, royal priesthood, clothed in white. Come on, people get, I don't get me, don't get me to shouting up in here and getting excited. I'm expecting great things. I know the plans he has for me are for good, not for harm. Um, and for a purpose. So there, how about that? Okay, so let's get back to, um, there's, there's a couple things. So, first of all, now, am I gonna do this Ammo Land story today? Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Okay, so yesterday I mentioned to you that another study has confirmed that criminals break laws. <laughs> okay, so you're probably thinking, we, we know that. Yes, you know that. Good people, you know this. But Amoland.com is referring to this recent study. It's from the National Institute of Justice. It was conducted by an anti-gun researcher. One more time. Anti-gun researcher. His name is Philip Cook. And he took an interesting approach to the question of how long criminals possess a firearm before they are arrested and then charged with a firearm-related crime. So it's well known and even acknowledged in this study by this anti-gun cook that firearms recovered by law enforcement, it's many years that pass between the first retail purchase of the misused misused firearm and then its illegal use or possession the average time to crime in the US is over 9 years according to latest data now you know this is why gun control doesn't work because all you do is prevent law abiding people from getting the guns because criminals are going to get the guns they're going to get those guns okay so the study doesn't examine the near decade between the legal retail sale of a traced firearm and its association with illegal activity. It does use a survey of Chicago inmates to examine the last link or the elapsed time from the transaction that actually provided the offender with the gun in question. So there were some unusual findings here. First off, it's rare to see a study published that echoes the message of AMOLAND or other second amendment prop- proponents. Enforce existing gun laws. Prosecute criminals. Done. Bam, bam, boom. You're done. But that is just what the study concludes. More precisely, the study concludes that more effective enforcement of the laws governing gun transactions may have a quick and pervasive effect on gun use and crime. Now, one of my things that I loved about Jeff Sessions when he was in office was that he had ramped up gun prosecutions to such a degree that I actually wrote a couple of articles about it. You can find those on on stacyontheright.com, And the reason why it was exciting is because when criminals are prosecuted for gun crimes, not only are those criminals taken off of the streets, but it's a deterrent for other criminals because they can see that at some point they're going to be prosecuted. And pretty quickly, if our current gun laws that are on the books right now are actually followed. So some of the acquisition methods for firearms that are used by criminals Our purchase or trade, 54%. A gift, 14%. Borrowed or shared, 13%. Found, 7%. Stolen, 6%. Other, 6%. So that's the acquisition method. Now, the acquisition source, according to this survey, friend or acquaintance, 57%. Stranger on the street, 20%. Other, 11%. Gang members, so someone getting it from a gang member, 9%. Family member, 2%. Gun store, 2%. So criminals most often acquire purchase or trade from a friend or acquaintance. 54% of the guns that are used in crimes are the method is purchase or trade from a friend or acquaintance. 57% are friends or acquaintances. So does that make any sense when you compare that fact pattern to what liberals are advocating in the way of guns? I don't think so. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It does. It makes no sense. So the duration of the, the last link is about two months. So again, Two months. So inmates who were surveyed reported that most of the firearms possessed at their arrest were obtained by buying or trading from a friend or acquaintance. Few obtained theirs from a gun store where they would have had to pass a background check. None of the respondents mentioned a gun show or the Internet as a source. This information actually aligns with prior federal surveys of inmate populations. Now, wait, if you think that's all, there's more. Other findings include state laws that require law-abiding gun owners to register their firearms, these, these measures were of no help at all because the criminals who obtained the firearms years after the legal purchase did not register their typically illegal possession. Also, unsurprisingly, most or all of the transactions that provided inmates with guns were illegal in that they violated state or federal regulations that already exist. So, again, while liberals are ringing this crazy bell saying we need more laws, the laws we have on the book right now actually deter criminals from getting firearms the traditional way, which is you walk into a gun store or Walmart or a gun show. You show them your identification. They run a background check on you. You come back clean. They sell you a firearm. That is how I have bought every single one of my firearms. None of them have been gifted to me. I'm picked any up off the street. I don't know any gang members. Every single one of them was purchased that way because I am a law-abiding citizen. For any person who is not a law-abiding citizen, they're going to go at any one of these other methods and sources, purchasing or trading from a friend or acquaintance or criminal. See how you can avoid a a background check? So when they say they want to close the background check loophole, if you're a criminal, are you going to go to someone you know will run a background check on you, or are you going to continue to buy from the illegal market or nincompoops who just don't know any better? There's no reason for you as a criminal to subject yourself to a background check that would expose you as trying to get a firearm when you are already a convicted felon. That'll get you a visit from your parole officer or law enforcement, right? So criminals, it I, I it is so annoys me when people say criminals are as dumb as a bag of rocks. They're actually not. Because if they were as dumb as a bag of rocks, they would not be able to effectively evade The laws that are meant to catch them when they're doing wrong things. All right. So anyway, all or most of the respondents in this study were disqualified from acquiring or possessing a gun in Illinois at the time of their current arrest. Yet most of them had extensive involvement with guns at that time. So Ammo Land says this guy deserves a slow clap as a gun control advocate for finally admitting that criminals do not abide by laws. More enforcement of existing laws is needed. Now, I, I'm again the firearms and ammunition industry. Know this firearms and ammunition industry actually support several campaigns to help LEOs do their jobs and to help retailers, ranges, and manufacturers on the front lines in preventing criminals from getting firearms. The gun sellers want fewer firearms in the hands of criminals, gun sellers want to make sure that law-abiding citizens can buy guns and that criminals cannot. But the black market for guns in this country cannot be impacted by more laws because the black market operates with individuals who are already lawbreakers or who are breaking the law by purchasing in the black market. That is the fact. It cannot be changed by more laws. It's just that simple. So gun bans are irrational. And uh, this information, in addition to being on ammoland.com, is uh, something that you can also find out more about, nssf.org. Full disclosure, I'm a member of the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Um, so, you know, just in case someone tries to say I'm being paid for this content, no, I'm not. But if any gun own, uh, gun shop or gun seller or gun manufacturer would like to sponsor this program, info at stacyontheright.com. You can definitely get that going on. Um I am concealed carry certified I'm a gun owner and a member of the NRA um, and the Second Amendment Foundation so you know let's do it if that's what you want to do but don't please please don't act as if I didn't tell you that I am uh totally on board with more enforcement and I'm totally against gun control uh so now we have just like one minute left um I encourage you, if you're it, one of those people who listen to me on our old channel religiously and you're you're like, oh, okay, I just found you again because I was wondering where you were, tell a friend. If you have people you know, people you're connected with on online social media and they're wondering where is the program, what happened, um, through no fault of my own and absolutely having nothing to do with any moral failing or anything that I did at the station that was, you know, like, we're firing you with cause. It was none of that. It was simply... I had an at-will contract and they decided not to allow it to continue so they could replace me with another show. That's it. So tell a friend, share the podcast, subscribe. We're on every medium available for podcast hosting and I'll be back with you tomorrow. God bless from the heartland.